Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You are now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here breaking down week four in the NFL. We're almost at the quarter mark of the season somehow with my good buddy, Rich Hill. Let the Brian Hoyer era resume. Oh, no. We got a big one coming up, that vaunted Aaron Rodgers versus Brian Hoyer matchup we've been thinking about since last April. (sighs) Almost here. Gross. First up. Uh, Rich, how you doing? How are you handling the Mac Jones injury, the Brian Hoyer news, the general malaise around Patriots Nation? You hanging in there? Yeah, you know what? I mean, this was, uh, you know, I would have loved for this team to hit the ground running, would have loved for Mac Jones to show an immediate connection with Devontae Parker and uh, for Kendrick Bourne to continue to develop alpha lag. There's just so many things that we had been hoping for in offense that haven't come together. So it's very clearly another development year. And the fact that uh, Mac Jones avoided major serious issues seems like he's progressing well with his recovery. They're still deciding whether or not to put use surgery on him or not. Uh, he's not on the, the injured reserve as of yet. So that means that they're still uh, haven't made that decision. But I would imagine that for at least the next game or two, it's going to be the Brian Hoyer show. And uh, you know what? I'm fine with it. I've accepted it. I've gone through all of my phases of grief. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Again, I'd kind of chalk this game up to a loss, even with Mac Jones. So it's not like I'm sitting here being like, this is a, a win where it's going to get stolen from us. So yeah, I'm with it. Hoyer is the guy. And like I said, the best case for Hoyer is also the case against Hoyer in that we know exactly what we have. <laughs> and we'll break down what we have in Brian Hoyer in just a minute. But first, Rich Hill, let's do what we always do on the Thursday podcast. Go around the league. Talk about the games that we're excited about. Coming up, maybe tonight's game could be a good one. Uh, yeah. Dolphins are at Cincinnati. The Finns are one of two 3-0 teams in the league alongside the Eagles. The Bengals got their first win of the season last week, looking to build some momentum there at home. Uh, maybe Miami is a little exhausted from that down-to-the-wire match with the Bills. Early thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, the Bengals are the home favorite, despite, uh, you know, having a very clear disadvantage from a schedule standpoint uh, or just from a record standpoint. But Tua, Tagovailoa, dealing with injuries. So coming off of a short week, we'll see what he'll be able to do on Thursday. I imagine this will be a game where the Bengals kind of shake off their Super Bowl hangover and reassert themselves as one of the top teams in the conference. The Dolphins have definitely been outperforming based off of what they've been able to put together on the field. Uh, and so they're, they're, you know, out of averages, they're expected to just, you know, come back to ground a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals win this one. I feel like a lot of the things are heading in the Cincinnati's favor here. Uh, my thought is that this is a great week. Uh, I feel like we've been like the last couple of weeks haven't been great, but they turned out to be good anyways. Uh, 
there's a lot of really good matchups this week. Uh, in addition to the Dolphins on the road against the Bengals, you got the two and one Bills on the road against the two and one Ravens, two of the best quarterbacks in the entire league with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Uh, you also have the two and one Jaguars on the road against the three and Eagles. You got Trevor Lawrence, who's looking great under their new head coach, Doug Peterson. Uh, Doug Peterson revenge game against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Uh, and then you also have the Chiefs and the Bucks. So like, there's a lot of really good games at each stage of the day. Which one will you be watching? Yeah, I think the game of the week, honestly, is that Bills-Ravens game. I'm surprised it's at 1 o'clock. They didn't flex it to the afternoon or even like one of the night slots. Uh, Rams 49ers is okay, for I guess, for the 25 Rams fans out there. But that's not <laughs> a Monday night matchup that really excites a lot of the nation. But Bills-Ravens, that should be an absolute blast. Two of the best quarterbacks in the game. Two games, uh, two teams, excuse me, that could really use the win. This could be a home field advantage or who goes where situation down the line when the playoffs mm-hmm. get here. So really psyched for that one. I'm glad that game's at one so I can focus more on that because Patriots-Packers take off at 425. And Chiefs-Bucks should be a great game. Super Bowl matchup. Both teams coming off a loss. Pretty ugly loss for both teams. Uh, good chance to get off the Schneid for both of them. And I imagine Tom Brady will bounce back against Mahomes in this one. Yeah, totally. I mean, the big challenge for Tampa is that they're just so banged up on offense. Their receivers are just down to the just the nubs. I think they had to sign Cole Beasley to their practice squad last week just because they were so low. Uh, so hopefully some players will start matriculating back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, I think this is a big week uh, just to complete the AFC East. You got the one and two Jets on the road against the one and two Steelers. Zach Wilson should be back, taking over for Joe Flacco. So we should probably get the uh, the Zach Wilson, Mitch Trubisky head to head matchup here. Uh, the Jets coming off of a pretty good victory. So excited to see if they're, you know, well, what does that mean for this team? Uh, I feel I wonder if the Jets are ever going to reach that part of uh, just sentiment in the way that we feel and have felt towards the Bills, where with the with Buffalo, I feel like once they started doing well, I was like and continued to be like, yeah, go Buffalo. You got it. That's that's <laughs> good for you. Um, I don't think I'm that way with the Jets as of yet, but I am wondering if they will ever reach that point. No, they probably won't. Again, I, I'm a big fan of of letting history take its course. And when history changes, I will then start to think otherwise. But I've been saying it for years, Rich. Jets going to jet. It's just kind of the way it is. But that's all right. I'm not worried about the Jets. I am worried, however, about the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady on the Sunday night game didn't look great. That was kind of an ugly game for both all-star Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Barely beat the Buccaneers. I think it was 14 to 12, the final score. I don't think Green Bay scored in their last nine drives of that game. Struggling offensively. The weapons are not what they used to be. Uh, the defense is still fairly good. So we're in a scenario where a struggling offense in Green Bay meets a good defense in New England and a, I'm guessing, going to be a struggling offense with Brian Hoyer meets a pretty good defense in Green Bay. Uh, let's start with the Patriots offense versus the Packers defense. Yep. I'm guessing with Brian Hoyer, We're going to go to the strength, which is the ground game, the run game, a lot of Ramondre Stevenson, a lot of Damian Harris. Maybe this is the game where the tight ends have a more positive influence on the game besides just the occasional chip block or a jet sweep or whatever. Uh, I just don't personally see Brian Hoyer going five wide and airing it out a lot in this one. Yeah, I really don't either. Although, I mean, a big part of it is like who is on this Packers defense. They have a very, very strong defense. Uh, You just work your way back 
uh, from the back to front. It's like, hasn't been decided yet, which players will be available, uh, but Jair Alexander dealing with a groin injury is one of the best cornerbacks in the entire league. Uh, he plays across from Eric Stokes, who is one of the best young cornerbacks in the entire league. I believe he was the best rookie cornerback in the entire NFL last year. Uh, Russell Douglas is having a resurgence as their nickel guy uh, doing a great job. Um, then Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage are a pretty good combo at the safety position. I'm not saying that they're like bills level with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, but they're very good. Amos is, is very good out there. Savage has a lot of potential. So this is not a team that you're going to be able to have a lot of success, just throwing it deep down the field. Um, but also it's, it's going to be a challenging team to have success on the ground against them. So like this is a team they have a very strong linebacker core. Devondre Campbell had a fantastic year for them last year. Uh, and then uh, Quay Walker is their rookie. He's doing very well uh, for them this season. And so you have two very, very athletic linebackers that are able to get a lot of space. Uh, then you have Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith on the edge. Uh, they're, they're two pretty stout guys. Sean Gary is having a strong year relative to, to the past few years. Last year was kind of a breakout year for him, but it took him a little bit to come out. And Preston Smith is very, very reliable. So they are pretty strong back to front where their weakness might be. And this is a major might because they still have a lot of talent is on the, the interior. I mean, Kenny Clark is one of the best linemen in the entire league, but he's not who he was in the past. Uh, and then you have Jerron Reed, Dean Lowry. So I, I agree with you. I don't think that this is a game where Hoyer is going to win by chucking it deep down the field. I think it's going to be one of those games where uh, you just have to hope that Damian Harris breaks through um, and then perhaps get to that second level. Like the more that you're able to attack these linebackers and hopefully, uh, you know, use your bigger blockers to try and move them. Uh, the you know that's probably their best bet uh, if Jair Alexander is able to play. If Alexander is limited, then that really changes the the calculus for how New England might approach them. A lot, I think, might depend as well on my X factor, who's going to be Jacoby Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, all signs point to him having a good week of practice. I'm, I'm optimistic that he'll be able to play on Sunday afternoon. Uh, you know. <laughs> A little fun fact, you know, Brian Hoyer threw Jacoby Myers' first ever touchdown pass. So the chemistry is already there um, from that Cleveland game back last season. It was like 45 to 7 with garbage time touchdown. Classic Jacoby Myers to get his first TD in garbage time against Cleveland. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, the fact that Mac Jones relies on him so much, he's kind of the outlet receiver since they're still without that that classic third down back. No James White retirement. Ty Montgomery still on IR. They're going to need that kind of outlet receiver. And I can see Myers playing that role a lot, maybe on the quick screens, the bubble screens, the flats, the outs. Uh, I don't see him going deep too much. Maybe they take some shots with Aguilar down the field. But as you mentioned, it's not going to be a deep ball kind of day. That means you got to feast in that middle zone. And that's, I think, where Jacoby Myers excels. So if they're going to have success in the passing game on Sunday, it's probably going to be with Myers leading the targets and receptions. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think I think that there's a few things that are at play. I completely agree. Myers, if he's able to go, should lead the team in receptions. I was kind of just looking at the past few seasons to see if there's anything that we can pick up from like who did Hoyer target in his previous games? Uh, and last year he had like a few attempts out there uh, for uh, against like the Jets, Browns and uh, Jaguars and total just blowouts and like how he distributed the ball was pretty balanced. Uh, but a huge player that showed up a lot was Kendrick Bourne, who had like a 48 yard catch uh, against the Browns and a 46 yard catch uh, against the, the Jaguars. 
Um, and so Hoyer definitely had a good rapport with him. Uh, he also had like another eight yard catch. Uh, he was good with Jacoby Myers, as you said, had his touchdown. But the sneaky one that I think is interesting is that he had good rapport with Nikhil Harry. Uh, he had a couple 20 plus yard passes down the sideline, like deep passes to Nikhil Harry. And I think that these are the targets that have been, been absorbed by Devontae Parker. And so my X factor is going to be Parker. Uh, I think that depending on Jair Alexander, um, I wouldn't be surprised that they, if they like who they, uh, you know, if they put Stokes essentially on Parker as the the top outside receiver, that would be my guess. I think that they would put Alexander uh, potentially in isolation against the wide receiver three. Um, and so I, I, I think that uh Parker has the opportunity to potentially win a lot of these jump balls against Stokes. I think that Hoyer has trust in his ability slash uh, kind of a little bit of that recklessness uh, that will give Parker those opportunities to go up and get them. We had that breakout game from Parker. I would love to see him continue to build off of that. I think that the the running game is what it is. You know what we're going to get from it. I'm expecting, you know, 80 to hundred yards on the ground and maybe a score the differentiator for this Patriots offense will be what are they able to produce on offense and which wide receivers are able to win their matchups against the, the pretty strong Packers secondary, you know, Myers is going to get his, the, the win, the give or take will be whether or not Parker can take advantage of his opportunities. And I expect Hoyer to chuck it up and give it to him. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, and can they get in the end zone? I mean, that's another question that's been hanging, hang, hounding the Patriots for a while now. Uh, I'm not sure how relevant this is and how comparable it is, but looking back on the last time Brian Hoyer started for the Patriots in a game that wasn't a blowout, got the start, was that 2020 matchup against the Chiefs? Monday night game, I think. They lost 26 to 10. Uh, I'm looking at the stats right at that right now. The Pages ran for 185 yards on the ground uh, on 35 carries. Uh, Hoyer only threw for 130 yards with a pick. You remember, he fumbled a bunch in the end zone. But in terms of his distribution, uh, it was pretty well balanced. He hit, he, he threw 10 to Demir Bird back when he was around, got five for 80. And then James White was the second leading receiver for the Patriots. Uh, seven catches on eight targets. So he seems to, as you mentioned, go for those kind of like intermediate routes and those shorter ones. That does seem to make the most sense against this Packers secondary. Um, but it's kind of frustrating at Rich Hill. Neither you nor I have really talked about the tight ends getting involved here. Maybe it's because we've both given up. This just seems like a classic tight end game because they're outlets, they're chip blockers, they're easy mm-hmm. to move around. You can motion them in and out depending on the defensive formation, uh, the pre-snap reads. Do you see any reality 
in which Hunter Henry and or Johnny Smith is a big contributing factor to this game? Yeah, I mean, I would love that. <laughs> you know, I would love to be able to say like, oh, this is the this is the time that they break out. But I just can't. I, I you know, we're, we're going to call this the Johnny watch thing. I think Johnny is like continues to be one of the most explosive players that they have. I just don't see it happening. I mean, looking at how these other teams have succeeded against them, they definitely had some production from Cameron Brait with the Bucks. He had six targets for for 52 yards. Uh, the the Bears don't really have a lot of tight end ability. Um, and then for the the uh, the Vikings, uh, they didn't get a lot of uh, production out of their tight ends as well. It was really the Justin Jefferson show, and so. Uh, this is not a team in which I would expect the tight ends to break out because of how athletic these linebackers are. Like Quay Walker is doing a great job. Uh, Devondre Campbell also does a great job. And then you put in Savage and Amos over the top. This is just like a defense that's very stout in all of the positions that you would need to cover tight ends out of the backfield. And I just haven't seen a dang thing from the Patriots tight ends that make me think that this could be their breakout. Uh, So what would I consider a win if the Patriots tight ends combine for more than four catches and 30 yards uh, and a score? I would be surprised. Uh, maybe I would love for the Patriots to get them involved in the red zone. It blows my mind that the Patriots tight ends are not more involved in the red zone uh, because that's where you that's where you get the leverage. That's where you should get the separation. That's where you get the mismatches and they're just not being creative enough to get them involved. So I would love to see the Patriots get the tight ends involved. I would love for this to be the breakout game. I just have zero faith that they'll be able to get involved at this point. All right. So the week four John who watch verdict is we're going to keep on looking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, again. Yeah. I, I really don't think either team is going to win this game via the offense. It's going to be which defense shows up the most, which defense generates that turnover that gives the offense a short field to score some points that I personally think may be at a premium on Sunday. So let's switch it over. Now we got the Patriots defense taking on a hall of fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who for maybe the first time in his career or one of the first time in his career, uh, doesn't have the, the plethora of weapons he used to have. Uh, Randall mm-hmm. Cobb is still there, but there's no Jordy Nelson. Devontae has gone. So, and they're struggling and you, you've seen this. They haven't really been able to put points up. As I mentioned against the bucks, 14 points. Oh, for their last nine, putting anything on the scoreboard. And the Patriots defense continues to be their strength. As we mentioned, I think the, the, they held the finish to 13 points. They're obviously a legit team. They held the Ravens for a long time. They put the offense in position to score points, and they couldn't get it done. And they dominated the Steelers. So I do think the Patriots defense can keep this close. Now, if you are Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick, whoever's running the defense there, what's your primary target? Who are you taking away? Who are you forcing Aaron Rodgers to throw to? Is it is it? Is it Randall Cobb? Is it the run game? Who are you trying to stop first and foremost? Yeah, I mean, it's weird to face a Packers team and say this, but it's absolutely the run game. Uh, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, two very good running backs. Uh, they're, they're able to do it all. Uh, you know, they, they are their number one and number two producers on offense by a distance. Uh, they also are pretty top targets. They, they are tied with 12 targets out of the backfield, which ranks third on the team. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, their top receiver, air quotes, because he's a rookie, but he's been the only one producing. Um, and then Robert Tanyan, who's their tight end, is their number two target with 14. Uh, then you get your pair of running backs. So this is a huge game for the Patriots and their ability to stop these running backs. So all of the challenges that the Patriots had last week, where there were questions and struggles around like, okay, how are they going to stop Lamar Jackson in this backfield? It's simplified a little bit because Aaron Rodgers is obviously not Lamar Jackson on the ground. 
And New England should be better able to, you know, play their defensive keys to make sure that these running backs stay in the backfield uh, and they can be a little less reliant on having their uh, linebacker safety hybrids. But the Patriots need to have a really stout game up front. I wouldn't be surprised if they played with, you know, three like, of those big, beefy defensive linemen at a time and only like Dietrich Wise on the edge. Uh, but I, I would expect them to go a little bit heavier up front to try and stop this rushing attack and force Rodgers to, to win with the rest. Because like he's going to get his. He's Aaron Rodgers, you know, reigning MVP uh, for better or worse. But the players that he's throwing it to, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, they are not players that are proven. Uh, the two proven players, air quote, one is Randall Cobb, who is definitely not the player that he once was. Uh, he's also not even getting three targets a game. So like he's not someone who is the engine of the offense. The other, their leading receiver is Alan Lazard, who's the top receiver from a snap perspective. His, he's, you know, a pretty reliable middle of the road guy. He, he is someone that averages between 30 and 50 yards a game. And that, that's what he is. There's, he's not dominant. I would rather them try to win with these players than allow Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to run over them. Rich, historically, much like Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers has fared very well against the Blitz. He's very good at diagnosing pre-snap reads. He's very good at releasing the ball when he needs to. He's a very mobile quarterback. Obviously, he's up there in age now, so he doesn't quite have the mobility and the athleticism he used to have. But – He's still a very dangerous guy with his legs and some of the throws he's able to make. He may be the best pure thrower of the football I've ever seen. Is this the kind of game, given the fact that the receivers aren't strong, maybe the matchups, the one-on-one putting a hat on a hat, especially if Kyle Duggar can return, looks like he might be able to. Uh, if they can do that and they can they can shut down the receivers, is this like a good way to maybe send some extra receivers, uh, extra linebackers, excuse me, blitz a lot more, really stymie the run game? Or are you worried Aaron Rodgers is going to Aaron Rodgers and just light him up if they send too many rushers? Yeah, I don't don't think it's a game where you try to send too many rushers because I think the Packers offense has been the quick passing attack, in part because uh, Bakhtiari, their all-pro left tackle, Ellington Jenkins, who's arguably their best lineman in in general, are both dealing with injuries, so they've been really limited up front. Uh, They don't have the receivers that can really allow plays to develop and win. Uh, And if you look at uh, the stat, it's called like, you know, intended air yards, essentially. So it's like, how far is Rodgers like throwing the ball down the field the past three weeks he hasn't surpassed six so he's throwing them pretty close to the line of scrimmage when you compare that to like all of last year when he had uh Devante Adams he threw shorter than on average six yards down the field just twice the entire season uh and you know only did it once the entire 2020 season and didn't do it at all the 2019 season so like he is throwing it a lot closer to the line of scrimmage they've had to change their entire offense as a result of just not having the skill players uh on offense and that's causing them problems uh they've faced uh, a lot of challenges here he's been blitzed a lot more uh you know to you know plus or minus success here but it's mostly about how much can you squeeze him in the pocket that like everything that has historically worked against Aaron Rodgers remains to be the case but you just you know if the Patriots defensive game plan is to say uh let's just do a general squeeze up front like he has scrambling ability but let's just be really really responsible and try and disguise our coverages as much as possible uh because those first few seconds after the snap are going to be crucial to making sure that Rodgers doesn't get into a rhythm because this offense is very much reliant on the quick game. 
It is indeed, Rich Hill, which is why I'm picking Mac Wilson as my defensive X factor. Hmm. Uh, I, w- I was going between Mac Wilson and Raekwon McMillan because I think they have skim- similar skill sets. But, you know, Mac Wilson wasn't on that pick on the Steelers. They they, they show blitz or they show stunt and then they drop into coverage uh, to cut off the slant, the quick crosser. I feel like there's going to be a linebacker who steps up. I'm sick of getting burned on my Josh Uche picks. So I'm going away from Josh Uche for my next <laughs> I think I think Mac Jones has the athletic skill set to make a big play. And I, as I said earlier in the podcast, I think this game is going to be won or lost by the defense getting a turnover or setting up a short field and not forcing the opposing offense, whoever it may be, to go 80, 90 yards to score. And if Mac Wilson can come in off the edge and squeeze the edge and force a pick or drop into coverage and force a tip that forces a pick. Uh, that could be the X factor that the Patriots need to escape Green Bay with a win. I like that. I mean, I'm going to stick with you uh, and stay at the same position. I think Mac Wilson definitely has the opportunity here. I'm going to point at Jalon Bentley. Uh, Bentley, uh, you know, is the guy in the linebacker room now. He, he's, you know, team captain. He, he's running that show, uh, green dot player when he's available and with the run game so essential to stopping this Packers offense from getting into that rhythm, the Patriots need their second level to be strong. Uh, these two running backs are big, too. Uh, A.J. Dillon's like 250 pounds. Uh, Aaron Jones like is 210, but he runs heavier. I don't know if you've ever seen him run, but he, he lowers the shoulder. He is just very strong out there. And so Bentley being stout in, out there uh, will be extremely important. Needs to be very reliable, no missed tackles. Um, but I'm using him as a proxy for the entire rushing defense because the Patriots need to have a very strong day against the run. Uh, hopefully Brian Hoyer can put up some points and then force the game. Uh, weird thing to say, force the game to go into Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' hands. Uh, that's, that's gross. But then that like really simplifies how the defense has to play. And I don't think that the Packers have the talent at the receiver position to win all of their matchups. I think that Jonathan Jones has been doing an outstanding job this year. I think Pro Football Focus has him rated as their top receiver for the entire season. Uh, I would ex- like number one overall. I, w- I would expect that he's matched up against Romeo Dobbs just because Dobbs has that speed. Um, and I-, I would expect that Jonathan Jones is g- the guy to be matched up against him because he gets more of those deep opportunities. Uh, you know, I, that's the matchup that I think that could go one way or another, but everything else I would expect to go in New England's favor uh, as they they disguise their matchups in the secondary. So it really comes down to how they are up front, and that's why Bentley gets my nod. Love it. And again, this is a this is a conversation I never thought you and I would have, Rich, about kind of Brian Hoyer uh, taking on a struggling Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and can the Patriots pull it out by forcing Rodgers to throw? Um, but here we find ourselves. This is the NFL, and this is why we watch each and every week. Uh, I don't know if anything else we want to talk about, Rich. Otherwise, we can't get to predictions here. Yeah, let's move on to predictions. All right. So you and I both perhaps foolishly and optimistically had the Patriots sneaking one out over the Baltimore Ravens last week. I had a 28-23 Patriots. You had a 2017 Patriots. So we both lose that one. So I guess the hammer stays with me. Uh, again, I think a low-scoring game is on the docket here. This would have been a loss for me, even with Mac Jones in. Um, I don't think the Patriots have enough to beat the Packers. I don't expect like a, a blowout. In any capacity, I think the Packers will struggle to move the ball offensively. This defense is good enough to keep it close. I just don't really see a situation where Hoyer is able to engineer like a go-ahead drive or a, a put-the-game-away drive. And I think <laughs> the, uh, the, the Packers will ultimately win this one, something along the lines of 23-13. to 13. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, I, my confidence level in Brian Hoyer going into Lambeau and coming out with a win is not great. Yeah, <laughs> that 
<laughs> like, and I, I want to give like a that said, uh, but I still don't feel great about it. I mean, looking at the, the injury report, uh, Jacoby Myers, he's all signs point in playing, but he's still dealing with a knee injury. He is and would be the safety blanket. Lawrence Guy not practicing because he has a shoulder injury. Devon Godshaw, limited with his back injury. You have Duggar and Bloodsoe and Adrian Phillips all dealing with injuries and they're all limited. This is and feels like a recipe for them struggling to move the ball with a reliable player on offense and also struggling to defend linebackers on defense or struggling to stop the rushing backs on defense. So, I mean, I too am going to pick the Packers on this one. I don't think that the Packers are going to be able to put up that many points. I mean, they just came out of this Bucks game and they won 14 to 12. Uh, they only put up seven points against the Vikings. Yes, they put up uh, 27 points against the Bears, but I don't think anyone thinks that the Bears are a good team. Um, I expect the Patriots to do a little bit better than that, but I also don't expect a lot out of their offense. I expect a uh, pretty similar, like, uh, 14 to 12 uh, Packers victory here, replicating what they did against the Bucks last week. Wow, run it back. I don't know if that's ever happened. Two 14 to 12 victories back to back. Well, hopefully we're both wrong on this one. Not overly confident uh, for the second week in a row. I'm not overly confident uh, in the Patriots' ability to win, but at least last week I gave them a shot. This week I, I just really don't see it. However, again, I, I will be happy if the Patriots are able to hang in there if they're able to show some development, if the running game gets going, there are positives we can take away from this game, even in a loss, even if Brian Hoyer's under center. There are things we can look for in terms of development and and rapport and making good catches and trying hard and, again, defensive stops. So we're not kind of just playing out the string by any means. And all signs point to Mac Jones. Maybe his injury isn't as horrible as we all thought it was. He seems to be making improvement. They're still doing the old, the new we're on to Cincinnati. Apparently, it's day by day for Bill Belichick. So maybe he'll be back before we know it. And if the Hoyer train can just not derail completely, um, <laughs> you know, this season might be a total bust. So here's hoping the Patriots can can at least make a game of it on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, no, I'm hoping that's not a blowout. That would be very disheartening. As you said, I just want to see some continued progress and consistency from the players that have had good games. You know, Parker had his day. Aguilar had his day. Hopefully Myers can have a day. Bourne, you know, had his good rapport with Hoyer can have a day. And uh, maybe the tight ends can just not be sleeping, uh, and that would be wonderful. Uh, but we will find this out on Sunday. 425 game Patriots on the road in Lambeau uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Alec, do you have any final thoughts heading into week four? Unreal week four of the NFL season. It's always how crazy how fast it goes. If it's going to be playing in my head, I may as well infect the rest of you with it. Uh, Brian Horner's first name is actually Axel. So the Axel (laughs) Axel Foley, Beverly Hills cop theme song will be playing in my head the entire time the game's on. And now it's in yours as well. You're welcome. Oh, amazing. Well, until next time, Alec, I hate you and have a good one. (laughs) You too, buddy. See you. Later.